0: Start the week with Unmade,
1: setting the agenda for the week in media and marketing. Today, the future of free to wear sport. The boardroom war for the Market Herald. And fashion faux pas. Unmade. It's Monday, December 5. I'm A Beauty and good morning, a bleary-eyed Tim Burrows. Good morning, Abe.
0: Yes. Honestly, this World Cup is killing me. I'm going to be so glad when I can go
1: back to normal sleep patterns again, but also I'll terribly miss it. So how did England do? I'm sure you're up watching the game. What's a bit of a quick update for us? I was.
0: Yeah. It was, uh, it finished about five or 10 minutes before we uh, recorded this. So I was very glad it didn't go to injury time. England beats Senegal three 0 so as you can just about see in the video chat we have going on proudly wearing my england top um one of the um one of the i don't know if it's a plus or a minus probably overall a plus uh but but one of the pluses and minuses of of having dual nationality is having certainly until this weekend two teams to support in the uh in the world cup sadly as you would know australia went out on saturday morning in a in a, a really great game against Argentina as well,
1: Australia made it further than some of the pundits thought was possible. Is that right?
0: Yeah, we did, which was obviously great for SBS ratings as well. So it's been, um, yeah, fascinating to you know see what that probably does to the value of the sports rights for the next World Cups, and it'll be interesting to see whether SBS get to hang on to them because I would imagine that. 10 and parent company paramount having invested so much in other f- other soccer slash football rights would have to be interested in the, you know the next uh the next the next few world cups so we'll 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 see whether sbs get to hang on to them because it's it's been a very useful platform for sbs to promote lost australia Which is, is kind of in a reality, uh, show, which has already been filmed and takes place in Tasmania, in the Tasmanian wilderness. So it would be very interesting to see whether there's a sort of knock on halo effect of the ratings for SBS, having had the opportunity to promote Lost so heavily during uh, all of the World Cup matches. Anyway, how was your weekend?
1: It was good. We're uh, planning to go caravanning for a month or so in January, so that the time is spent getting that ready and planning how to uh, attach the bikes and a bike rack, which is always fun when you've got four or five bikes and trying to squeeze everything on. So yes, planning for the holidays, but looking forward to the summer, that's for sure.
0: Wow. A week in a caravan, a tour of various
1: car parks, rather you than me. Anyway, where (laughs) should we start this week? Well, let's start with today's newspaper media and marketing sections. What are we focusing on? What are they focused on today? Yeah, so as you know,
0: the, the 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 main kind of national and metro papers tend to have their media and marketing sections on a Monday. So we'll start with the Sydney Morning Herald. This is one that goes um, uh, across the age and into Brisbane as well across the various nine titles because a uh, regulation is a bit of a theme. Um, so we'll start with Australia's media code. Now this is the thing that we talked about as the news media bargaining code, um, which is the, the the device that allowed Australia's publishers to do deals with Facebook and with Google about effectively uh, paying them for being part of the news ecosystem. Um, they weren't in the end designated under the news media bargaining code, but did deals to kind of avoid that. So, um, the treasury, uh, released its, uh, review into how it's gone so far, declaring it broadly a success to date. Um, I think what's interesting in, in, in this piece is, is, there will be further reviews along the way. Um, and it also raises the intriguing question that whether TikTok uh, and YouTube could also be targeted under the code if they've got, big enough. Now, obviously, YouTube is owned by Google's parent company, Alphabet, anyway, but, you know, it's effectively a different company. But obviously, that plays a kind of role in the news environment. And then, of course, TikTok is really fast growing, you know, it's it's becoming a major challenger to uh, Facebook for audience and for advertising. Um, the question I would want to satisfy myself on, or certainly think about a bit more is, is the content on TikTok enough within the news environment that it deserves to be covered by the code? Um, you know, because obviously it's, it's it, it you know, it, it doesn't tend to provide links outwards. It's more of a kind of arguably entertainment platform. So, yeah, I'd want to think about that one a
1: little bit more. Especially with the amount of user-generated content, it would probably be a strong argument that it's not actually news. But like you say, brains larger than mine need to spend time processing this and thinking about it.
0: Yes, and if memory serves, and I'd have to remind myself because I I read it a few hours ago, in um, the Sydney Morning Herald's kind of Q&A today with the influencer, Abby Chatfield, um, she was a good example of where people get their news from. I'm pretty sure she said that she gets all her news from TikTok. So there is an argument that people are seeing it, even if it's just people uh, reacting
1: to it. And the AFRs covering and looking at sports rights with seven, nine, and ten.
0: Yeah, well, we're looking at the um, uh, regulations. Um, yeah, the, 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 this is the other piece that's in play at the moment, and this, this comes more directly out of um, the Communications Minister uh, Michelle Rowland. Um, so there's a take on it both in the AFR and the Australian. The AFR, owned by Nine, is probably broadly more sympathetic in its coverage to the needs of the free-to-air players, whilst um, the Australian uh, has far more of the Foxtel view, um, the Australian and Foxtel both being part of the News Corp family, of course. And this is the major issue, what we call the anti-siphoning regulations, this kind of protection of free-to-air sport uh, for, in theory, in the interests of viewers. But of course, that ends up being conflated with the interests of the free-to-air networks. And one of the key debates is um, what does free-to-air mean these days? You know, the argument of the free to air networks being prosecuted today. Um, there are, they're quoting some percentages about, you know, the, the number of Australians who don't yet have full access to the internet who might not be able to watch something on streaming, even if it's free, which I, I suspect is a stretch. But again, I'd want to look at those stats a little bit more versus obviously the argument from the free to air players that, hey, you know, everyone's got, still got an antenna. Um, so I, I I think that will be an interesting one. Is can anyone be a free to air player if they just don't put something behind the paywall? So in other words, can the uh, the KO Sport, for instance, that does KO freebies, uh, can um, Optus Sport, Stan Sport, well, Stan Sport, because it's owned by Nine, would already effectively have been able to sort of be played into the game that way, because of course often the game that plays is somebody, one of the free-to-air players picks up the rights and then on-sells them. So it is, you know, it's a weird, not, Uh, unnatural economy, I suppose. You know, it's not the typical sort of, uh, you know, economic structure because, of course, the, uh, the, as it stands at the moment, the free to air broadcasters do get a bit of a leg up, which clearly they're keen to hang on to. But, you know, we, we, you know, this, this is going to go on for a bit longer, but the, uh, the deadline for submissions was, um, or is, uh, tomorrow, Tuesday. So we're, we're, you know, we're at the point soon where the government's going to have to start forming some views.
1: Next, a fashion brand's bare blunder. Unmade. Fashion brand Balenciaga is in a pickle. Tim, you're looking at New Daily's take on this one today.
0: Yeah, so this is one which um blew up over the uh, over the weekend. Now, I must confess, I'm you'll be shocked to hear this i'm not much of a fashion aficionado
1: i'm shocked to hear that it's a surprise
0: yes it it can be a surprise i mean i'm more dressed up than usual today and i'm wearing an england top but um but you know normally it's just a ratty old t-shirt so but this this is it's it's a hundred year old company of spanish um kind of of origin but now french owned as part of one of the big luxury groups um now they've been controversial before but the controversy this time is over a um uh, a a piece of advertising uh, images featuring you know a couple of kids holding what first looked like teddy bears but then when you look more closely you realize the teddy bears kind of seem to be kind of bondage themed um now they've they've apologized said it was a mistake bloody bloody blah, blah but what really strikes me is the amount of time and effort and planning that goes into a shoot like that suggests that those things don't just accidentally happen cuz you know somebody put the wrong thing in front of the camera at the minute so that that doesn't stand up but um but the the the, 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 the piece i'm most drawn to is there's a piece in the new daily Today from um, I think it actually went out late on Saturday night from Kirsty Clements, who um, used to be the editor in chief of Vogue, so she knows what she 's talking about um, and I think actually what I really enjoy about the piece is she also just offers her take on the fashion world generally i 'll give you um, her verdict on Australian fashion magazines as they stand. Uh, So this is quoting from her column. The few fashion magazines still circulating are no help anymore. Every article is undisguised contra for the luxury advertisers who are still left or endless stories on the newest Cartier boutique to open or a Van Cleef & Arpels flower necklace or some weird Louis Vuitton clothes that aren't particularly useful for the average shopper. I'd bite the bullet and follow the dreaded influencers, but so many of them look like hell anyway. Um, so it's a very entertaining read. Um, so, which, which obviously takes us on from the, uh, Balenciaga controversy. But, um, but yeah, it feels like a brand which is probably about to experience a bit of a consumer boycott, I suspect.
1: Next, yet another wild weekend at Twitter. Made. Elon Musk has been up to more tricks at Twitter this weekend. Tim, what has the chief twit been doing? Yeah, the, 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 the
0: major one is some, something that broke over the weekend, which I, I don't like to lean into it calling it the Twitter files because that gives it more credibility than, than maybe it deserves. Um, but Musk, although I don't think... You know, he's actually admitted it was him, but it was clearly him has basically gone back into Twitter's email accounts um, from before he was there and dug out what on the face of it actually looked like fairly um, typical conversations amongst the staff on moderation decisions. Now, the right wing press in the US has sort of jumped on it on um, uh, it, it. it being about hiding scandals involving Hunter Biden. That's the son of um, Joe Biden, Hunter Biden's laptop. Um, Now where Musk seems to have got himself confused amongst other things is thinking there was some sort of government inspired um, conspiracy to cover this up, despite the fact that it actually happened when Trump was still in office. Um, So he's actually muddled up on who was in government at the time anyway. Um, But yeah, you've got this, bizarre situation now and there's a great column in wired about it um today where musk is now going to have to be in charge of these moderation decisions um he didn't really show anything behind the curtain that you wouldn't expect in conversations around you know what was amongst other things some of those images that were being leaked were you know of a kind of graphic nature um so yeah it's a it's all a little bit of a a mess, which is probably and this is the thing, it becomes a rolling scandal. It's probably best demonstrated by the scandal of midweek. And this is the thing we have now, as as you know, when whenever we talk about Twitter, you know, we always think we'll stop talking about it and then something else happens. Which was um having allowed Kanye back onto the platform. Um Kanye then went on um Alex Jones's InfoWars show and started talking about how much he liked Nazis. Um, and Carnier has since been removed from Twitter again. So um, make what you will of the consistency of Elon Musk at the moment.
1: Next, it all goes wrong at the Market Herald. Unmade. Tim, some massive ructions at the Market Herald over the last few days. You covered this in the Best of the Week email on Saturday. Now, what is going on? Okay, so there's a lot. To unpack here, so
0: um stop me if I'm being unclear now, regular listeners of um made will remember we did a, a podcast, oh gosh, it doesn't feel like that long ago. it was getting probably getting on for a couple of months back
1: now with jag Sanger yeah that podcast was released on september twenty nine for anyone who'd like to go back and have a listen to that gosh, even more than two months now at the point we
0: recorded that podcast with with jag he was just a few days away from completing uh the purchase of a bunch of classified plays which were really going to change what the market herald was so um the market herald had agreed to buy gumtree cars guide and auto trader um for a pretty big chunk of money 87 million dollars in fact uh so that that really is going to change the picture up up until now yeah you know, the market Herald had really been in the in the financial services niche so it owns the hot copper internet forum which discusses ASX pricing um a similar operation in Canada as well and also the Market Herald, which provides online news, and then some sort of video uh, analysis of the the, the, the the days breaking finance news out of the kind of smaller end of the ASX. Um, behind the scenes, though, things were a lot more complicated. Um So, one of the things that, um, I found myself writing about on Saturday were the increasing tensions that have been going on between Sanger, who was one of four directors, but by no means the biggest shareholder, and the Argyle family. Now, that includes as one of the other directors, Gavin Argyle, um, who, you know, it, it, it has now emerged, has really moved against Sanger. Um, So Argyle's father, David Argyle, is the main shareholder, but as a family, they own about 40% of the company, despite the fact that it's listed on the ASX. Um, So we've had this series of extraordinary announcements over the last few days uh, in which, firstly, there was a, a, a move to oust Sanger as a director, then... Um, he was suspended as managing director. So he's effectively uh, on leave from that role, whilst for now remaining a director. Um, But what began to emerge was uh, one of the extraordinary moments was Argyle showing up at the offices of Gumtree, Cars Guide Auto Trader not long after the acquisition in Sydney, and just giving this, you know, really in my view, quite odd speech, which lasted about, you know, a little bit more than an hour and just rambled across various topics of which I think one of the highlights was, you know, when the staff asked a fairly reasonable question about when would they find out what the new structure was, he kind of answered by talking about how in Perth they've got the SAS and the SAS don't have a traditional management structure. Anyone from a private to a sergeant, if they disagree with each other, can just
1: have a fight to decide uh, what their policy is. That's Organisational Leadership 101 right there.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, it was such a lesson in how not to do an acquisition um, in so many ways because, you know, this was obviously an introduction to the staff um, of, you know, one of the one of the major owners, but also very undermining of, Jack Sanger, who he was clearly questioning, you know, decisions he'd made until then. Um, but the, the big question for me now, though, is, you know, really it was, it was Jag Sanger's strategy that has taken the company to this point. So how does it keep going without him, particularly when it's yet to complete the financing to actually finish up this purchase and pay what it owes to, to Ada
1: who are the owners? So do we know what actually happened and why um, Sanger was asked to leave? Look, we don't know the
0: specifics. Um, As I understand it – Jagsanger had taken his concerns about Argyle's behaviour to the board, but, of course, Argyle was on the board and, as I say, his family, 40% shareholder, Um, but not the only shareholder. You know, it's worth stressing that even if you have a large shareholder of an ASX company, all shareholders have rights. So it clearly became something of a head-to-head. The thing that took it into the public domain, though, was Argyle or the Argyle family lodging a section 249D notice, as it's called, which, um, is the ASX mechanism, which then obliges the company to hold a general meeting, um, in which they would then vote on the potential removal of Sanger as a director if they got to a 50% vote. Now there was, there was and is nothing um that guarantees they'll reach the the 50 percent threshold to vote for that because you know some shareholders may actually have felt that Sanger was the best prospect um I think the kind of emerging sense is probably under this management and this ownership he's not going to come back um you know it, it you know it's, it's it's hard to see how he would he you know an email saying good sort of what which seemed like a goodbye to staff, um, was circulated late, late last week, which certainly implied he wasn't I- expecting to come back. And then, as the, um, added complication, one of the other kind of, you know, leaders of strategy within the company, Sarah Leonard, um, as far as we know, officially still works for the company. Um, she is also, you know, in his personal, in their personal life. Um, she and Jag are partners, which, you know, is, is fully in the public domain. She's not been seen in the office either. So there is, although there's an, an, an acting CEO from the previously chief financial officer from the, from the acquired side of the business, there's something of a leadership vacuum at the moment. Um, so the, the shares are suspended. Um, I think when it comes back on the market, it'll be very interesting to see what happens to the share price and also updates on how they will actually complete the acquisition. Um, so a lot of questions there. But I think for for rival companies, you know, and that would be people like um, Car Sales in the car space, um, Ausbiz in the kind of business video news space, they'll be very glad to see this because, um, you know, it, it certainly feels like, someone who's becoming quite a credible competitor has suddenly been derailed.
1: Well, that's it for today. We'd love to hear what you think at letters at unmade.media. That's letters at unmade.media. Today's podcast was produced with the usual enthusiastic support of Abe's Audio, and I'll be back tomorrow with Choose Data. And don't forget, if you'd like to support Unmade, you can become a paying member. Go to unmade.media to find out how. See you next time. Toodlepip. Unmade
0: made podcast edit
1: by abes audio